roadside reels past through the day and into darkness until fatigue sets in. Bleary-eyed, they find places to pull off the road and rest. In Walmart parking lots, on quiet suburban streets, at truck stops amid the lullaby of idling engines. Then in the early morning hours, before anyone notices, they're back on the highway. Driving on, they're secure in this knowledge. The last free place in America is a parking spot. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, the safe place for folks who like the book better than the movie. We are recording this on Monday, February 22nd, 2021. Today we are discussing the film and book Nomadland, streaming currently on Hulu uh, and available on Kindle, Amazon, possibly Barnes & Noble, possibly your neighborhood bookstore, unconfirmed, but check it out. And your library. And probably your library. Yes, of course, we want to support public libraries. With me today uh, to talk about the adaptation is the Van Duellen warehouse working and the anti-capitalist Mr. Eric. Say hello to the people E. Down with money, people. Down with money. Down with things. Up with Bitcoin. Up with Bitcoin. Up with Dogecoin. <laughs> Up with experiences. To the you moon. know what I mean? You yeah. as a hipster probably understand this, right? It's yeah. Just, life is for living and not for collecting. Interesting. Right? Or what? I mean, you, if you're collecting experiences, I suppose. Yeah. Or like feelings. Yeah. passions that's okay but if you're collecting money to mm-hmm. buy things and support people making things mm-hmm. then that's not okay when you you don't want to buy anything that's been sold or processed or sell anything that's been bought or processed or process anything that's been bought or sold okay we're gonna move on i don't know what you're talking <laughs> about anymore <laughs> uh, but thank you for that little introduction <laughs> into nomadland we um we watched a film uh, over the weekend and then uh, again last night, and we both read the book, and we have some thoughts that we want to share with you guys, especially me about the book, and I'm sure you as well, Eric. Um, but we're going to get into some fast facts, give you some knowledge on both mediums. So the book titled Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century was written by Jessica Bruder, published in 2017, and has a Goodreads rating of 399, which is pretty good. 
Would you round that up to four? I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I either. would keep it in the threes. We probably brought that down from a four. I think. Probably. Yeah. I can't have that many reviews. Maybe it does. It was actually sold out at my library. Yeah. I tried to get the book like on Kindle, so an ebook through yeah. um, the library, and it was like a huge wait list. I'm still not off of it. Yeah, I think for me it was because you're Arlington, right? I'm or you Fairfax. Fairfax. No, I am Arlington. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Mine was I think 15 weeks, so yeah. there was no shot. I don't live in Arlington anymore, so don't tell the fine <laughs> people at the library that I'm. <laughs> they still, might listen to still using it. Yeah. Yeah, they're come after us. And then the movie uh, premiered at the Venice Film Festival and the Toronto International Film Festival. TIFF for all the uh, film people out there. In September 2020, directed by Chloe Zhao, screenplay by Chloe Zhao, uh, starring Francis McDormand and David Strathairn. Um, Rotten Tomatoes 95% and Metacritic 94. So very well received by the critics. Yeah. And people in general. Throwing fastballs this movie. Yeah. Uh, front runner, right on Gold Derby for Best Picture? Correct. Uh, odds are 7 to 1, tied with. Uh, the trial of the Chicago Seven, which I have yet to see. Trial of the Chicago Seven to One odds. Wow. There you go. Nicely That's done. That's for you, Will. That's for you. <laughs> um, and then, can you give us a quick recap? I can. Nomad Land, the book, is a work of nonfiction that delves into a culture of itinerant mobile workers that grew in the aftermath of the Great Recession. These folks and those profiled in the book eschew traditional capitalist systems like 401ks and mortgages for temporary work arrangements and nights sleeping in vans, trailers and RVs. Uh, the book unfolds across several, several years, excuse me, as the author embeds herself in this culture, though she does stop to tell human stories along the way. Issues of class, capitalist structures, and Amazon.com's world domination mm-hmm. are discussed. Yes, they are. Um, and before we get into what we thought about each one, we have a quick game called Two Truths, One Lie. Eric, do you know how to play? I do. Three statements, two of them are true, so one of them is a is a lie. Are you ready? I, do you think people know this game by now? No. Okay. I think we need to tell them every, <laughs> every single, single time. time. Yeah. Are you ready? Every time I hear myself telling people how this game works, when I listen back to the episode, I feel I feel a little bit worse about myself. I feel like it's pretty complex. I mean, it's a pretty complex game to yeah. play here. Okay, hit me. Um, number one, Frances McDormand resembled a nomad so well that one of the locals offered her an application to work at Walmart. Number two. The film won the Golden Lion at the 2020 Venice Film Festival. Uh, number three, much of the crew lived out of their vans during the course of production. Eric, what do you think? Those are interesting. I uh, I guess it depends where this movie was filmed. I know it was filmed all over the place. I think I remember in the credits. Maybe I'm getting confused. I watched Aquaman last night too, and that movie was filmed in a lot of places. Maybe this film wasn't filmed in a lot of places, and I'm just confused. You watched Aquaman last night? Yeah, uh, against my better judgment. <laughs> I wanted my only Aquaman experience to be Vincent Chase. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. James Cameron project, yeah. but Do you feel dirty that you did that to Vincent Chase? People can see how I feel uh, by checking out my... Uh, um, Letterbox? Letterboxed. Yeah. I have a, At E.T. Payne, right? I have a, I have a rating there. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I, I was wondering if there's a lot of sets or a lot of like moving... Did they film in a lot of different locations? Because that might make it easier to live out of your van. And if they're filming in remote locations, there might be less of a hotel structure. Also, there's not a lot of people that worked on this movie, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Francis McDormand, David Strathairn are two of the few actors. I can't imagine there was maybe like a bit of a gorilla crew. So they could mm-hmm. all have lived in vans. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that is, I'm going to say that's true. That feels okay. right. Okay. Um, Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. I don't know what. You said it premiered at the Venice Film Festival. I don't know what award they give out 
And this is very much you to create a fake award for a real festival. That's me winking. So I don't know about that. Um, Frances McDormand did resemble a nomad. Um, Did she get offered to work at Walmart? I don't know. It's kind of offensive that she didn't just get a job offer. They made her apply. But I guess they didn't know she was Frances McDormand. They thought she was a I mean, an you can just give out jobs. Like, gotta, yeah. gotta apply. That's true. Uh, man. She did look like one. She did look like she belonged in this world. So I'm going to say that she did get offered an application for Walmart and that the film did not win the Golden Lion at the 2020 Venice Film Festival. Final answer. You are the weakest link. <sighs> Incorrect. Um, the film did win Golden Lion at the uh, Venice Film Festival. Where are the lions in Italy, Will? They're in Africa. Or Where's Venice? The <laughs> <laughs> um, and I threw a curveball in there. She did not get an offer for uh, to fill out an application for Walmart. It was Target. Wow. So I did one of my horrible Well, you did twists. a Will move. Yeah, I did it well. Well, But you thought I was going to do the Will at the other one. I know. So yeah, didn't. Wow. You're welcome. All right. But uh, <laughs> you know, when I was doing this research for the movie, and I came across the Golden Lion, it made you know what it made me think of. And Dude. I know you know the answer to this. Yes, but you can go ahead and say it. <laughs> Do you know the name of the Beijing's coveted Crying uh, Monkey Award? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was thinking of throwing that in there as a lie for this movie, but it would have been too easy. I would have sniffed it out. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, it, that movie is actually streaming on um, Amazon prime is it really yeah i thought about watching it last night and then uh i was i was not allowed <laughs> you were not, you were barred from watching i was barred from watching. did it. amazon come up pop up and said you were actually not allowed yeah you've exceeded your views of this uh please watch something else on our doesn't service. surprise me yeah um we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back if you like what you're hearing please rate and review us on apple Podcasts. it'll help us find more fine listeners like you and we're back. Thank you from that brief word from our sponsor. Um, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so now that everybody knows where to find us, um, let's talk a little bit about the book. And um, did you like it? So I'm standing on the edge of a volcano and you are like bubbling up with your passion and, and hot lava takes about to spew out. So I'm yes. gonna, I'll do my, my piece rather quickly and Please then have you um, just, exp- ex- you know, Erupt. Just hurry. As it were. Just hurry up. Um, so anyway, I, I think that this book was, was okay. Um, there were a lot of things going on, right? There was sort of four different books inside of this book. There's a go-to guide for someone who might want to live the nomadic life. There's a, a, a research magazine piece about the time, um, some of the, like, the socioeconomic factors that go into why someone would do this. There is a record of, of um, you know, the interviews that she did, although they probably aren't as detailed as we might like. And then there's just a, a lot of first person um, of her leaving her job, buying a van, working, you know, at some of these like camper force, like Amazon locations, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, putting herself into the action. Mm-hmm. Um, and the balance just didn't really work for me. I, I, I didn't, I, there wasn't enough urgency with her like first person storytelling where, you know, I, she could just parachute out of this life whenever she wanted to. Right. Right. The other people can't. But yet she still kept the camera like turned towards her mm-hmm. and I wanted it turned towards them. Right. Or I just wanted the entire book to be about her. Right. Like I am committing to being a nomad. I'm quitting right. my job. I'm leaving my like husband, leaving my mortgage. 
and I'm just going to fucking do it. I'm going to research it for years. Yeah. That would be, to me, that's more interesting than here's my, a little bit of my story. Right. And also you're not going to get enough of the people that I like. I have an apartment in Brooklyn, but I'm doing this nomad thing because this is journalism. The thing is though, it's an interesting story. It's just, I I sort of, I mean, I think we both agree that we wish there was less of her in it and more of the actual nomad nomads. Yeah. I don't mean to make fun of her, but it is a little bit, it's a little bit like that. I mean, the book is sort of like how you described it. It's like, we're not interested in the author. We're interested in the people that she's living with. And we, we get surface deep um, descriptions of these people, except for some of them. There are a few exceptions where we get more information like Linda, Bob, Swanky. Um, but, you know, it, and I mentioned this to you when we, um, before we started watching this weekend, it felt like a journal entry. A lot of it felt like, or or like a blog entry. Like, I'm going on a trip to Mexico and I'm going to blog about it. It felt a lot like that. Like, this is a singular experience and I meet interesting people along the way and I'm going to tell you a little bit about each, each and every one of them. And I, as I was reading, I could just view, you know, imagine her writing this in her notebook and writing this in her diary. And it felt like a diary entry and a journal entry. And it's just, a lot of it wasn't interesting. Like, a lot of it had very minor details that were that were not necessarily incoherent, but didn't add anything to the story. There were entire paragraphs that just could be removed. Um, so a lot of it was just, it seemed misplaced, or it seemed like this book could have been so much more than it really was. And you know, I'm sure for her, it was a fantastic experience. And as she reads over it over and over again, she'll be reminded of things, and it'll be an incredible experience for her to recall that kind of stuff. But for us, it's like, you know, we didn't live that experience. We want you to describe that experience. Yeah. Not give us, I walked into a Walmart and then I, or I walked into a, an Amazon facility and then I worked all day and I had pain in my knee and like, no, like describe it. Don't just like regurgitate it for us. Yeah. And the problem with that is like the pain in her knee is, like she can go to a doctor's office and take care of it. Like some of these other people, they don't have access to healthcare, right. for instance, like to, to further that mm-hmm. idea. Right. Yeah. Um, and there are just like so many good nuggets that she finds. And it, you were making this point earlier. There's so much good stuff that she unearths and will mention and then speed right away from. Yes. Like you talked about the guy who lost $500,000 in the stock market in the recession, like in the, in that crash. Yeah. Um. There's a guy in Alaska whose like house crumbles under an earthquake that has to move yeah. out. They're, and these like, are briefly mentioned. They're briefly mentioned, and then Linda obviously gets the the most shine. Yeah. Um. She's part of the movie as well, and and Bob Wells, who's sort of the godfather of this like nomadic style of living, gets mm-hmm. mentioned. But I mean, you could write an entire book on fucking Bob Wells. Definitely. You could write an entire book on Linda. Yeah. And there's plenty of Linda. There's a little bit less of Bob. Yeah. But it's just like. Uh, why it, it's sort of almost at a like of a piece with adaptation in the orchid thief mm-hmm. where though that book was really not about susan orlean it was sort of about her like traveling and meeting people but it wasn't about her like experience or right it was about john laroche's experience right and she was able to tell a story that was detached from her own personal experience while mm-hmm. this author didn't do that here yeah and i you know i can't see why she did it this way like i i 
uh, other than for her own personal like recall of it like i don't understand i don't understand writing a story solely for yourself um well it's like a gonzo kind of thing where like popularized by like hunter s thompson somebody like is that, that how he wrote yeah but he would it, fear and loathing right exactly well that might be that's a bit fictionalized but something yeah. like his kentucky derby story mm, okay. is like that where he he goes on assignment to the kentucky derby and just writes about like him getting drunk and doing drugs and trying yeah. to find his illustrator and like meeting all these crazy people but it's him meeting these people and it's him having these conversations about nixon mm. and like stirring the pot whereas like this is just she's not really actively stirring the pot in any way yeah she is in there telling us some stories but then telling us more about yeah. how she's coping with it she's she's a passerby in this nomadic lifestyle right but she yeah and she makes herself the protagonist yeah which which is frustrating yeah i mean there's so much good material like like we like we just said that isn't tapped into like like the dude who lost five hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was in the stock market crash of 2008 and the guy who lived in alaska who lost his home and everything because there was a it was a mudslide or that was an earthquake earthquake yeah sorry um see i can't even remember because it was so briefly mentioned that it's like you you know you got to dive into stuff like that that is you got to notice like this is an interesting story let me dive into more of this how did this affect this guy and let me tell tell that story because it's you know i don't know there's just so many the the first 170 pages for me were a total slog and then the last 70 sort of made up for it i rated it a two on goodreads if it weren't for the last 70 pages, I would have rated it a one. Like I was just like so frustrated by the book that I, you know, could almost not even get through it. Yeah. There, there it's, it's really well researched, but it's, it's more interesting when you talk to the people because mm -hmm. this is a, a sort of van dwelling lifestyle that I think most people wouldn't understand at all. Yeah. Most people don't understand. Most people probably never heard of. Right. And, um, it's, I mean, the best way to tell that story is to ask, hey, you, why are you doing this? Right. And I don't mean to sound mean or rude um, when I say all this, because it, it took a lot of effort and a lot of sacrifice for Jessica Bruder to write this book, to actually go out there and live with these people. I mean, I would never do that, right? So, like, commend, I commend her for that. But if you're going to write a story for, for people, you have to understand that the story that people are going to be interested in, and it's not going to be you it's going to be these other people and i just think it's a big it's a big mess it's a big mess but they made a film out of it so yeah we'll get into that maybe we're totally wrong <laughs> um you want to talk about themes please i want to so, talk about themes you want to talk about themes yeah. so i see you mentioned here or you wrote down societal structures as your number one theme yeah there's a jessica bruder pulls a quote from a bob wells book again like really well researched but you could just get bob wells to tell you this kind of thing yeah, right um but he suggests that van dwellers are conscientious objectors from a broken, corrupting social order. And the, in the book, it, like the Great Recession is really this sort of inciting incident that is, acts as a sort of final push that like severs whatever remaining ties a lot of these people have with a system that really didn't respect them anyway. Um, and it, it really is like a, a, a big divide between the van dwelling people who live in RVs, who work iterate jobs itinerant jobs excuse me um at places like amazon or walmart or um they there's a like a sugar beet farm that a lot of them talk about um and 
the traditional like get a mortgage, get a car, get a yeah. wife, have a kid, mm-hmm. like die basically, right? right? And these people weren't part of that system and got removed from that system. And when they did, they just had no desire to go back. Yeah, and you know, these people probably existed before the 2008 financial crash. There were but it probably um grew probably maybe exponentially after that it became a lifestyle and it's i think one of the like the i I don't know if it's funny or not but like one of the big greatest quotes from the book and the movie is is i'm not homeless i'm houseless right i think that's a great distinction because homelessness has a very strong stigma attached to it and these people are not necessarily that i think you could argue either way that they are homeless um, but they do have a place to stay and sleep, which is in a which is in a car. So, you know, um, that that distinction I think is important for those people because they understand what it means to be homeless and they understand what other people how other people view that. Um, you know, people who in in society are maybe a little bit higher up and have jobs and stuff. So I think there is a, a there is a um, definite distinct societal structure difference between between the groups um and those people understand it because that's where they come from yeah and of course like the rub is that they can't just park their rv in the same spot forever like there are rules you can't just be at a campsite i think you're limited to like maybe two ish weeks yeah something like that. and then you have to move at least 25 miles away right so you really like can't put down roots anywhere you have to keep moving because that's the way society works yep um, and I do think there was an interesting parallel drawn between what happened as a result of the recession and what happened as a result of the depression in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Like there was this whole like dust bowl movement West yep. when people lost their livelihoods, but she, the author, um, does talk about how people in the depression were like always going to come back to society. They mm-hmm. just like didn't have a job right now. No one had a job right now, right. but they were moving around trying to change their circumstances to better themselves. Whereas these people, um, it seems like have no desire to return to the society they've left. Yeah, because they yeah they feel wronged by society. They feel like society forced them into this situation by whatever societal pressures that they they encountered, and then the society basically failed them in their pursuit of like being a part of society, and basically threw them to the side. So they they feel like a bitterness towards society and the powers at play that they're like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, I can get by doing this. And I ha- there are so many benefits. I don't have to deal with this, these societal pressures. I can live on my own. I can you know, do X, Y, Z out of a van. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it, it was, it was good that she, she brought that um, comparison up because you're right. There is that sort of difference in, you know, the 19, 19- 20s and 30s in the great depression era and and now yeah but a lot of that is due to money it's all it's all comes back to money well so this is another thing you highlighted yeah um it's capitalism bitch that's that's my (laughs) you just call me a bitch that's my my take on money um you produce things that people want to buy with the money that they make while they're while they're working and um that's just how society and the structures that be work Mm -hmm. but um i think the the thing that is so rebellious or um even like revolutionary that these people are doing is that they've just decided that they no longer 
want anything. They're not going to participate in the culture of money that exists. But they still have to work. Um, And there are seasonal jobs like at Amazon and um, wall drug was one of them in the film and um, other random other like janitorial jobs and stuff. Anything they can get their hands on. Or is it farm? A farm. Yeah. But it's not part of corporate, except for maybe Amazon, but like they're not part of corporate America. Um, So, you know, you still need to work and you still need to pay money for gas and clothes and food and stuff, but you're not, it's not a salary position. It's more enough to get by. Yeah. Well, what what I think is interesting is that like, and this is sort of what I thought the movie was going to be about. Linda in the book has a dream to build this earth ship, Mm. which is a self-sustaining like home right yep. in the middle of the desert she'll yeah. collect rainwater purify it drink it use it to clean herself and, mm-hmm. and go to the bathroom and all that um she'll grow food yep. right like everything that she needs she can provide to herself mm-hmm. and the energy comes from the sun yada yada like everything is is done in a way that she doesn't need to work she doesn't need right. to produce she doesn't need income because she has she has no needs as you might like define them in a capitalist society right yeah. Um, that is, that is like her big want. Mm-hmm. And in, in, so like your favorite pages were the last 70 mm-hmm. where that is like the, the driving plot. They're looking yeah. for the land to build the earth chip on, yep. et cetera, et cetera. So there, there is like a move for at least one of the characters to go completely off the grid, right. right? To need nothing. Mm-hmm. And of course, like if something were to happen to her, uh, you know, whatever collects the rain, whatever, like collects the sunlight mm-hmm. then she's going to need someone's help right so it's it's in the book i think the the author even mentions that it's she's beginning to think it's more of a pipe dream than than a reality um but in the end you know she gets the plot of land and she begins to build her earth ship but then Earthship. we don't know for sure if she built it or not yeah um, you gotta read the sequel gotta read the sequel i'm sure she did yeah um, but another thing that you mentioned here um, was mobility. Um, there was another key thing and a key driver to a lot of these people and a key survival mechanism was, was their ability to be mobile and move around from state to state because, you know, they're kind of living in deserted places, uh, Nevada, um, Arizona, Arizona, where, where towns and cities are f- few and far between. Um, so there's not a lot of jobs. You kind of need to go from place to place in order to get the money. Yeah, totally agree. And like these people can't, they can't settle down. No one will have them. They, there's a, a lot of conversation about like, where can we park? Someone has an app that shows you like which Walmarts are like receptive to yeah. like van dwelling folks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's sort of just like, it is what society allows them to do and they have to keep moving because that's the only thing like you can, you can live houseless, but you can't stay here. Right. 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 You got, it's not rewarding. It's not rewarded. Rewarded. Excuse me. Yeah. You, you, you can be here for a little bit and then you're a little weird and we, you need to keep moving. On. Right. Right. You got to keep moving on. You got to keep moving on. And mm-hmm. even the author too is like, she can move. Yeah. It's not rewarded, but it's not also not necessarily punished. Like ho- being a homeless person would be. Um, they're not arrested. I mean, certainly they can be harassed from time to time, but there's not real, not really real significant negatives, um, of their lifestyle other than braving the elements. 
Yeah. Right? And I think how they get viewed by people too. Like True. there's nothing illegal with being homeless necessarily unless you're on some plot of land yeah. where you're not allowed to be. Society certainly views them as, as being homeless or in that same category. Yeah. Um, so there is a certain, certainly a negative societal consequence of that. And there's a but. stigma against productivity or like lack of productivity. Yeah. Like you you're just not... exist and you're sucking resources, but you're not like putting right. good back into the system. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, which is kind of a, a bullshit argument. Like you could make that same argument argument for like any like corporate, like person that works for Amazon or something like, you're not really making the world a better place. You're just like, what are you saying? You're upping revenue for Jeff Bezos or something. Yeah. Well, Linda talks about this in the book too, where she works for Amazon and is overwhelmed with like all the shit that is in the The dildo warehouse. (laughs) Yeah. That people are going to buy and throw away. And like everything that's being produced is eventually not even like long-term and the short-term is probably going to end up in the garbage. And it's supporting child labor in like Southeast Asia and other places. Right. Or maybe not child labor, but um, like slave labor almost. I think she does say slave labor. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like something that exists to produce things that people don't even need. There's so yeah. much extra and th- she's trying to live without the extra and she's trying to live with like really nothing. But right. But no wonder we have hoarders. It's fucking Amazon's fault. It is they make it so easy to buy things and just collect things. I can't wait till our next movie, the, which you can watch on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. Um, <laughs> so what part of the book were you most excited to see adapted, Eric? Uh, for me, it was, it was the, the world, like the nomadic world, right? I'm someone who has a wife, a mortgage, a dog, someone who just absorbs society's norms, and I use them to make me stronger. You're such a sellout. Yeah. Such a societal... I'm a cog in the machine, baby. Yeah, you're... <laughs> um, I, I wanted to really like feel what it was like to live in this world. Um, I wanted to understand who these people are and why they decided to live this life. I, I, I thought like rendering that was the most interesting part of an a- adaptation. Yeah. No, I mean, that is, I mean, it's certainly something we're not exposed, at least you and I are not exposed to on a daily basis. Um, and it's something that I think is probably maybe typically romanticized in literature and maybe film. Like I'm thinking of that movie with um, the guy who goes off into the wild and dies in that school bus. Oh, into the wild, into the wild. Yeah. Yeah. Great book. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, It's like sort of romanticizes nomadic living and stuff like that. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Can you, jump in no that's it i know i i do think it's interesting like at, at some point you talk about chris mccandless and into the wild there are these people who we no longer live in a world where like there are corners of the map that are like black mm. like everything we've seen everything we've done everything yeah but i think there are still exists these people who have like an interest in not living the city life not living like where we've told you you need to be living right like they 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 don't want that. They want to get out. Yeah. They want to move. They want to explore the world. Yeah. And these people all found each other. And I, don't, I, th- I think it's, I, th- I just think it's interesting. Yeah. It's funny because like these people, I think the majority of them sort of adopted this lifestyle out of necessity as, as opposed to um, like a desire to. Well, I think it's a bit of both. Well, I think it, I th- from the way I view it is like they, they adapted this lifestyle because they had to. And then they sort of either fell in love with it because of the benefits of that and stuff, or 
Um, I mean, certainly some people probably sought it out, but I think the majority of the people probably kind of fell into it. and was like, oh, this is like kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I suppose a lot of them lost their jobs, right? And then they, you know, if without money, you can't pay rent, you can't buy groceries, you can't do a lot of things. And if you have nothing else to fall back on, then what are you left with? Yeah. Unemployment, maybe, or like some another one of like society's ways to help people that are in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think like, I don't know, to just up and leave like that, you, there must be some part of you that is either like stubborn or mm-hmm. adventurous in a, in a weird way. Someone who is interested in like seeing how other people have, have done it. I think you, I think you have to have, you're either incredibly stubborn and you and you really want to make these sacrifices. Um, or you're somebody who's, yeah, you're just an adventurous type and you think, yeah, maybe I'll do this for a while and we'll see what happens. Like you're kind of a, a go lucky, like go with the flow kind of person. I don't know. But the, the thing that I was most excited to see adapted was the earth ships. I wanted to see what it looked like. Yeah. I wrote um, that down too. And we didn't get to see it. No, they were hardly, they were mentioned at one point by Linda in a bar, but that was it. I thought that but. I thought that's what the movie was going to be about, honestly. Like what building those ships? Yeah, yeah, I just when I read the book, I assumed that Linda was going to be the main character, and yeah. I, I assumed it was going to be like her desire to like totally live yeah. outside yeah. of everything. That would have been cool. I mean that that I think probably would have been romanticizing it a lot. Yeah, which the film doesn't, doesn't do. necessarily do, which we can get into later. But um, before we get there, why do we think this was adapted? Well, I, like roll all of the big ideas that we've mentioned into that pitch, right? Like there are critiques of capitalism. There are like real societal ills that are addressed. We live in a world now where like inequality gets worse by the second. Right. And this book really like talks about the people who are affected by that. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's, it's topical. Um, and then it's just fucking interesting. Yeah. Like the world, excuse me, um, yeah. is interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's not like it's not IP in the sense of like it's not a Star Wars property or Marvel right. property or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a best-selling book, right. I don't think. No, I don't think so. But you know, it covers something that's important with today's life, and it frames it in a way that is interesting and unexpected for people. I think. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think the world is certainly something that's worth diving into, and I think isn't necessarily i don't know if there's been a movie about this specific community before um if there haven't have i don't i can't remember it or i haven't heard of it maybe a documentary or something yeah but i feel like this is kind of untapped an untapped area in american culture that hasn't you know obviously hasn't been um adapted before so that's you know why i think is is the is one of the big pulls it's very unique yeah i wonder if we'll see more like great recession movies something like the big short obviously there's like 99 homes i think which with michael shannon and oh i've seen that andrew yeah. garfield that's about the housing crisis yeah, right I've seen that one. this movie is is not so much about the great recession we can talk about that in a second but yeah um it certainly like is from that it will be clumped in that category yeah for sure um although yeah you're right it isn't necessarily about that um directly yeah but indirectly yes metaphorically spiritually so, <laughs> do you want to wrap up the book section and move on 
or is there anything else that you'd like to say any um, lingering thoughts or spicy hot takes you'd like to leave us with before we move to break no i mean no, no. it's okay you don't have to I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. Have you heard people talk about late capitalism? Like how we're in the period of late, late capitalism. Capitalism's gonna fall. No, I've heard of this. What okay. is this? No, that's it. Capitalism <laughs> is gonna fall, and the, the underclass is gonna rise. And it's. Did that already happen with the insurrection? All the Earth ships are actually <laughs> real ships. Oh my God, they're gonna leave for Mars. Yeah. These are these are Elon Musk things. Is yeah. that what this is? Exactly. Okay. They're just big batteries. Time are, for us to move on. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go to break. Do you have an idea for an episode? Tell us what it is. Tweet at us. Find us on Instagram. Follow us for updates and general musings at Lit2Lens. And we are back. Thank you from that brief word uh, from our sponsor, who is myself. We should really get an ad department to start selling ads. So I was thinking about it. We should take out ads like in Variety or The Hollywood Reporter. Do you have the cash for that? I don't. We should get investors. Yeah. Well, we'll oh, that's what uh, that. Kanye says, right? Like rich people don't spend their own money. Yeah. And as rich people, we should <laughs> <laughs> probably start spending someone else's money. Yeah, seriously. We should. Um... Well, no, I was thinking about it because I, I do think that there are places where you can just like give advertisements to like random companies. All right. Anyways, I'll look it, up. <laughs> look it up. So we're back and we have jokes for you guys. Um, hopefully they'll be funny. They usually are, yeah. I think. Yeah. We'll laugh. Would um, you like to go first? I'll go first. Okay. So I don't have a joke per se. Um, what are you talking about? This is the joke section. <laughs> you have to have a joke. It's more of a humorous bit. Unbelievable. Anyway, just every nomad is required to name their van. In Nomadland, Fern calls hers Vanguard. Um, and here I have come up with her top five rejected names. <laughs> okay, that's that good. Number one, the Vanimal. Yep, horrible. Uh, number two, Vansis McDormand. Oh, that's not bad. Number three, Van Wilder. Oh, that's, that's good. That's clever. Um, number four, Van Bolin. Shout out to wow. King Henry the King Henry the Sixth. <laughs> that's pretty. And number five, the Vantichrist. That one's probably the worst. There you go. I have a bonus one for you, and it is Peter Van and the Lost Boys. I don't get that one. Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. Horrible. So no I, wonder I, they were rejected. I kind of like uh, naming my van the Vantichrist. <laughs> people would not be like really receptive to your presence, probably in a lot of situations. But no, because usually people who drive vans have like uh, get Jesus in your life stickers. So you would be like a is that a van thing? Yes. Okay. I know because <laughs> I'm a van guy. So everyone knows you're a Jeep guy. <laughs> Jeeps are kind of like vans. So you would not name your van any of these? You don't like... No, I'm not really big on, like, naming things. Like, I don't name... I've never named a car. I, I would probably never name a boat if I... I would never have a boat, but... You don't believe in capitalism, so that's why. Yeah, exactly. If you believed so, a little bit harder... Those are pretty clever, though. I mean, it's pretty creative. I commend you. That was a good bit. Thank you. Um, That might be one of your best. Probably not. Hopefully, this people... Who have vans that are listening and uh, uh, use these to name their vans. I thought we were going to have the same joke for a second. Um, oh, I surprise you. <laughs> straight uh, After all these years, I could still surprise you. Yeah, oh, thank God. <laughs> the spark is still there. So my joke is much like Fern's van um, in the movie, it just takes off. Just like my Vanguard account has taken off since the pandemic rebound. 
to the moon. <laughs> uh, everyone knows you're a Robin Hood guy. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have invested in GameStop. It's total fucking. But you're in Don Dogecoin, right? It's... No, I'm not in Don Dogecoin. Uh, okay. I thought about buying it, but I was like, this is just so stupid. I'm not gonna waste my time. Yeah, not in on AMC. I think we should all get on it. Got get in on AMC. I did buy AMC, but I lost money on that too. And I then... bought AMC the same time I bought Game. I bought two GameStop and okay. lost like. I only lost a few hundred dollars because I got out pretty quick. I bought a bunch of cannabis. I didn't buy a bunch of cannabis stock. I bought some cannabis stock uh-huh. and then the Wall Street bets guys came for it. And so now I'm down like $5. Well, they, they came for it and now you're down? Yeah, they inflated they it. And I, I guess I bought it without knowing that they oh. had come for it. And so I bought it at the... You don't buy it at, you the, peak. at the peak. You buy it, yeah. You got to buy the dips. Unbelievable. Do you know anything about day trading? No. <laughs> <laughs> We need to get Charlie back. That's why on my entire portfolio us. is AMC. And I'm just so <laughs> fucked. <laughs> that would be horrible. Can't wait for 2022. <laughs> Speaking of AMC, Eric, what did you think about the movie? I liked it a lot. Can I get a comment on that segue? That was a great segue. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, was, I wasn't sure what I was going to say, so I had to figure uh, out. You were thinking? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough sometimes. Yeah. I'm not, my brain is not fast anymore. <laughs> okay. I can't be on Jeopardy because I'm not as quick as I once was. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's a pretty small, narrow, character-driven movie. We talked about this after we watched it, but um, it's sort of like a short story come to life on the screen. There's yes. not a whole lot of plot. Um, and I imagine anybody that listened to our adaptation episode and bought Story by Robert McKee and started reading it and was like, fuck, plots, inciting incidents. So important. First like act breaks. They were probably pissed while they were watching this movie. They are like, where, Super pissed. where are things that robert mckee told me to look for and they're i, I think Nowhere. They're, they're subtle right super yeah. subtle but um there's not a whole lot of plot it's mo- it's basically just francis mcdormand's character learning to live with her past yeah and that is really the only change that takes place yeah um through like some meetings with some folks yeah so, yeah yeah it's very internal it's very indie mm-hmm. um very indie but i liked it how did you how did you feel it felt the same way. Um, I felt kind of not confused, but sort of wasn't really sure where the story was going as a, as I was watching. Um, I was sort of just along for the ride and and didn't really get the payoff until the end. And I think that was that made the movie worth it. Um, and I don't think you can say that about most movies um, or a lot of movies, but. No, I liked it. I mean, I liked it a lot. I think for for the ending and, and the way that it turned out, I think it was it was well well made. Um, and it's sort of you know, it's not a movie that you know you rush to the film or the theater to see or you know, now the couch to see. It's not a it's not a big Marvel movie. It's not a big story driven movie. Now we were talking during the break because I was like, where was the inciting incident? Because I was thinking like, how you know how does you damn Robert McKee sucker i know it's horrible you probably bought one of his uh probably went to one of his shut seminars up, last up, week shut up. <laughs> anyway yeah. but i was thinking like what's what's the climax what's the what's the falling action what's the inciting incident and i couldn't think of it i was like well, i could probably think of a climax but like like where the fuck does the story get started and you mentioned to me like it's before the story starts it's when empire um collapses basically the the town that she used to live in yeah u.s gypsum under. Yeah, yeah. So sheetrock is no longer um, valuable. Nobody wants it anymore. So the the plant is shut down. The whole town is basically um, out of a job. 
so everybody just picks up and leaves it's it's like a ghost town yeah it's like a chernobyl town um without the radiation though without the radiation maybe yeah. some radiation there's probably some little gypsum i don't know what it does to you but <laughs> and so i was like that's really interesting so the inciting incident happens before which it's which is a really interesting way to make a movie right I don't, I don't know how often that's done um but it's certainly um a creative way to do it and i don't know i liked it yeah i, th- I think it's just one of those like techniques where you ask yourself can this be done faster or better mm-hmm. and like did you need the scene of the four men coming in and being like hey everybody get out of here people don't want to buy sheetrock anymore and so for that reason we are now closed mm. um and have her like pack up and leave or you can just show her packing up and leaving with like a title like a whatever they call it like a yeah. above the what do they call it like there was a little like text that popped on the screen yeah to start the movie and it the, said like, like u.s gypsum clothes and 19 i don't know what you call that 2008 yeah. whatever like a title card excuse me title, yeah okay. um so I, I think you can if it's faster if it's better to move some of the action off screen or move mm. something that that incident off screen then that's why you would do it so do you think that is uh, a product of like budget because you for that scene to occur you would have to hire actors right you'd have to recreate that scene whereas the way this film was made um with with only a couple of different actors and mainly people of the cinematic community is that something that's like we can't afford to do this or is that sort of like actually we can just sort of skip all that and just throw it in later to sa- save time and save money and be a little bit creative in the it's same a time. good question um i mean we don't know maybe they did film it and they just cut it right like that's yeah, certainly maybe. possible too mm-hmm. um i think it's more of a what is the most effective way to start is it more effective to watch her start in motion where like because that is a through line in the movie like we talked about mobility right yeah. she's always moving so yeah. if you if you start her in motion and that just carries on through the movie then you sort of have a running right motif and it starts with her packing up but she's like her leaving, storage right? yeah her storage facility yeah, but that's what I, that's what i mean right she's, yeah she's on she's the leaving. she's on the move yeah, yeah. um yeah, it's 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 uh it's interesting. What I will say though, I, I thought the lack of conflict was a bit disarming and we talked about this after we watched it too. There are like two or three scenes maybe where there are like you think that they're gonna end in like this in a bang, right? In an argument. Yes. And they sort of just peter out and end with a whimper. Um we're gonna talk about this scene where she talks to her sister and her sister's husband and like mm. their friend couple right yeah. that was an art that was a scene that was like building to this argument that never happened they do this a few times yeah they do that's it. a yeah. great example of one but uh, yeah so they i don't know what the uh reasoning behind this was but i think it's probably to make it more realistic because i think a lot of people when they're about to blow up they'll usually pull back because they realize they're in public they're in society it's not necessarily look it's sort of frowned upon if you just like kind of blow up all the time. But there's that scene where she gets into an argument with somebody in back in civilization, back at her sister's house. She lives in a, you know, nice like Arizona house or whatever. And they're, they're discussing, you know, you know, they're talking about, I wish I'd bought all these properties up in 2008 so I can sell them now in 2011. Cause you would have made a lot of money on it. And she disagrees and buy the goddamn dip. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and they get into if an we've argument. learned anything from during the pandemic reading all these investment guides it's yeah like, like come on and so she's like obviously on the other other side of the coin for that argument so they get into a brief argument that's ended pretty quickly but there's another 
part where David um, is trying to help her out by moving stuff out of her van, clean out her van because she has ants, um, picks up a china a box full of china and it falls through the bottom of the box and breaks everywhere. And this is a moment where we we know from previously that the china is very significant to her for whatever reason. I don't think it's her know. dad's. Is it her dad's? Okay. Yeah. And it's very important to her. She sees this happen, and she's immediately like, "What the fuck?" Um, but it's not a blow up scene. Now, this triggered me because you think this is a drama, right? This is a movie. You think this is a perfect time for Francis to flex her muscle, right? It's a perfect time for her acting um, skills to show what they're made of. And she doesn't. She holds back um, and sort of like tells him to go stand elsewhere, right? Yeah. But not like, you know, so it was very realistic, I thought. Is, yeah. that, is that what you thought as well? Yeah, I think so. It, she's there's no part of her performance that is showy. It is all quiet, and it's it's almost not even like simmering under the surface. It's just sort of like this detachment from what she should be doing or what mm. how, how she should be like thinking about things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely agree with you on like the person to person basis. There is no blow up. And there is no like fights when you think there's gonna be fights. But two, like there is part of the book where, you know, living in a camper, living in a van, you are afraid of who might knock on your door. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like it, she, she seems new to this lifestyle, but we never got like the first night where she's alone in her van and every noise she hears is like, yeah. you know, perks her up. Is mm-hmm. that is that like an animal? Is that a cop? Right. Is that like just somebody who's coming to get me? As my wife said, she's like, I couldn't <laughs> live in this. Like someone would get me. Right. Um. Fair point. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, th- we don't really get like the adjustment period. We don't get the knock on the door. Right. Like her bowels adjust to living the nomadic life, but like, oh my gosh. um, she Barely. doesn't like emotionally yeah. really adjust to it. And there's no, I don't know. I th- I just thought that was weird. It, like, that they didn't show that the first night scene. Yeah. Well, I, that's what I was sort of expecting. It, it it reversed my expectations. I was expecting that scene. I was expecting the yeah. scene where the cop comes and is like, oh, you're living here? I don't right. understand. Right. Um, and we never got those. Well, there was there was one scene when she was staying outside of a gas station and a woman comes up to her and says, hey, like, it's going to be really cold tonight if you want to go to the Baptist church down the road and they have rooms or whatever that you can stay. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay. There's another part where she is eating dinner, I think, and somebody does come and knock on the door um, where, and I, th- I can't remember, he says something like, hey, you can't, you can't park here or something because she doesn't answer because she drops her chicken out of fear. Um, but yeah, we never got the first incident of her. Like, you don't remember that scene? I don't remember that scene. Yeah, she, well, I watched it last night, so it's like fresh in my mind because I didn't remember it the first time I watched it. Um, we were probably talking. Well. It. You were probably talking. I was probably talking. I was trying to pay attention. Um, but yeah, so we did get that scene. Um, but that was a very brief scene, and that was the only real mention of it, um, other than Bob Wells kind of talking about it, yeah, giving his sermon right to this RV community. Um, he's very much like a a preacher character. Yeah, Santa Claus preacher. Yeah, long beard, wise old man, likes to give sermon. Not sermons, but like yeah, he's helpful. I would say yeah. Um. Yeah, I, he. Yeah, you're right. He's sort of like a guru mixed with a cult leader. Yeah, but not, to our knowledge, like nefarious as some of the cult leaders are. Yes, they are. He's definitely not like that. Um, not that we know. 
Well, so yeah, I know. But um, how would you describe the adaptation? Was it literal, loose, reimagined? Uh, reimagined. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes. I think. I, I mean, and let's get into the differences. But please, like, there is no fern in the in book. The, in the book, right? Um, we talked about this when we talked about like the construction of it. But the book is a lot of first person author stuff, mm-hmm. and then the second character is probably Linda. Yep. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, well, let's just make let's elevate Linda. Let's tell a story about Linda. But mm-hmm. instead, the the movie creates fern creates fern and linda is probably in the movie is probably more of a tertiary character i would say the secondary character is probably david maybe swanky yeah then maybe fern um or the, linda you mean not fern i'm sorry yeah linda uh, yeah but yeah i mean fern's existence um was the the number one big change um did you did you like that i mean was that something that you um were thrown off by no so i i thought more about it and i i think because this world is so unknown, you have to enter it with a character that has no real awareness of it because that's the only way we're going to learn. Mm. If we just pick up with Linda May, it's sure not going to have the same, yeah, it's not going to have the same like dramatic feel to it. Right. Um, we won't be able to relate to her. Or yeah. Because yeah. things are not new for her, but like right. for, for Fern, everything is new. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think she's sort of the audience surrogate in, in that way. But yeah, and unlike the author, she can't just parachute out. She's actually stuck in this world. Right. So that narratively gives her, it's 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 like weightier. True. Yeah, stakes are a little bit higher. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. I mean, you probably could have done it with Linda. I don't like. I think the big reason not to do it is that she already exists in that world. Yeah. Um. I mean, maybe there's like we didn't have the life rights to her, or mm. maybe it's better to actually just put Linda May, the real person, on screen, or I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to like fictionalize a real person like that. Yeah, and that's another thing we can get into later: the fact that it, it sort of blends drama and documentary with these real characters in real settings. Yeah, it feels like there's only a few professional actors among the crew yeah like francis mcdormand david straight there mm-hmm. um maybe a few others yeah i mean i think maybe some of the younger people there yeah. were that, that she stumbled upon i think probably the the like family scenes those are actors those have got to be actors for sure but i i think some of the probably a lot of the nomads she comes across are real. I think they're real yeah but um so forensic existence definitely plays a big role in, in the film um as opposed to the the book which she's not shit does not exist in but there's also empire nevada which is uh central to the to the film yeah and the book empire is is kind of just like a passing reference right like you mm-hmm. talked about this there you know we go a, a mile wide and an inch deep on a lot of different things empire is one of those things yep um the author talks about like what you mentioned before that this is a big factory town that shuts down and this entire town dissolves right um, and what I think is kind of cool is that the filmmakers decided like, fuck it. Like that's, that's where our character lives. Right. And it, it totally gives the inciting incident of the movie. Mm-hmm. The town shuts down. Fern's got to go. Yep. Um, and it sets up a, a sort of like cool metaphorical, like through line in the movie. Like she is running away from her husband's ghost. Mm-hmm. And the only place that she can find him is in a ghost town. Oh, interesting. And so when yeah. she eventually comes back to Empire, like his aura is still there and she right. has to confront it. And only by confronting it can she 
like then move forward. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of a an interesting decision to make, but I thought it was really good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't even think of that. Um, like, I, generally, I, I have the same idea as you, but specifically, like her husband's ghost, right? And she has to confront her husband's ghost in their ghost town. Um, later on in the movie is is a really good um, connection you made. That is really, um, really like really intelligent by the the filmmakers for sure to kind of tie those two together. Um, and I'm sort of like, yeah, like shit. Yeah, it's 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 way more powerful than if she was just from like, you know, Kansas. True. Yeah, because that's throwaway, right? It's like that yeah. doesn't mean anything to me. But this, um, yeah, it definitely means a lot more. Yeah, and and. Yeah, right. Like it, it helps the themes pull through a little bit deeper, right? Like mm-hmm. the town shuts down because of the Great Recession, which causes people to build less and then mm-hmm. sheetrock is less needed. So the effects are like directly felt by her. Yeah. Which yeah. Okay. This movie was really fucking good. I think it it's I starting think so. to like grow on me now that we're having this conversation. Yeah, right? I think we're getting into it. Yeah. Um okay, what's the next one? So one of the things that I think is important to do in a movie like this is to have the comparison set between like the actual van dwelling population and the traditional like capitalist people right however you want to the normies right yeah i think i wrote that down actually <laughs> you did, you did. so that's good let's call them normies um but in the book like really the only normie is the author she right. comes in um she is a journalist from brooklyn yeah. she's not you know some people don't trust her a lot of people are just fine to talk to her, right. but there's really no conversations that she has directly about like her role in society and who these people are. Like she doesn't have conflict. She doesn't say Linda, like, why can't you live like me? And part right. of that is because she's trying to tell this story objectively. Mm-hmm. And she, I suppose is like picking and choosing when she wants to enter it and mm-hmm. when she doesn't want to like stir the pot a little bit. Right. Um, but I think that was, a good choice for the filmmakers because by contrasting fern with like we mentioned before her sister fern's sister she she like her windshield cracks right and she needs to or her engine dies or something Something, with her car yeah i can't remember and she needs money fast and she goes to her sister because she doesn't have and fern doesn't have money yeah goes to her sister and they have this big conversation in the backyard like you mentioned about mortgages yeah property um and then david takes a liking to Fern as well later in the movie. And he invites her to his family's house mm-hmm. and you realize that he's planning to stay there. He's planning to come off the road and just stay with his family now. Right. And you put Fern in that action and you can see that like, this is not the life that she wants. Right. Even when it's really comfortable, even when she gets to sleep on a bed, even when she gets to hold this like cute little baby and mm-hmm. have like a man who really does love her. Yeah. Um, although it's not like outwardly said in that sort of like, blunt way right um care at least like cares for her right right um by putting her in those situations you're comparing and contrasting like societies against each other yes and yeah you don't really get too much of that in the book i mean obviously the i think the author tried to paint herself as a vehicle for the reader um whereas you can relate to the to the reader and think oh this is weird this is abnormal and blah 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 but you do get that stark difference between um, each society, each section of society where the nomads and the, the normies um, in these two scenes where 
you know, just the way that they talk and the way that they carry themselves and the way that they dress um, is a stark difference. And um, yeah, I mean, it certainly it it certainly adds to Fern's character, and you can sort of see when she's interacting with these people, she's uncomfortable, and especially when she meets new people that you know she knows are from the other side of the coin, right, other side of the the coin of society, and she doesn't fit in. She knows that she doesn't fit in and she wants to kind of get away. And that's why she's restless and she, she leaves this beautiful situation. I mean, the house is incredible on, it must've been either Oregon or Northern California. Oh, David's house. David's house. Yeah. Or he has family's house, like this big ranch kind of with horses and chickens and stuff. And beautiful. Like anybody would be, would be dumb if they didn't want to retire there or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and she, you know, runs away. And because she's not dealt with her de- her demons yet, because she doesn't feel either like she's a part of the society or doesn't feel comfortable in it. Um, yeah, yeah. And there are other smaller moments too. Like you mentioned, the scene where the whatever manager of the gas station or the mini mart comes yes. by and says, mm-hmm. "Hey, you know, you you can sleep over there if you want. Right. Like it's gonna be better for you." Mm-hmm. Or um, early on, she's at that like sporting goods store, and the mom of a girl she used to tutor comes by and is like hey how are how's life Mm -hmm. you know you can stay with me if you need to right and then she says like you mentioned i'm not homeless i'm just houseless right um and yeah i think you you really get a sense of her stubbornness her resolve to do this thing yeah um and yeah you're totally right you see that she doesn't like it yeah it's a recurring theme with her where she she immediately denies hands out handouts or help from anybody um even when even when david dropped her china she was like no no no, i got it like don't help and he was just trying to be nice he was like no i got it i got it and every time somebody's like if you need help like let me know like i get it like whatever like just you know and she's just like no i'm good thanks like she's very independent in that in that sense she has this internal drive or need that is telling her like do it on your own do it on do it on your own um, and that's what I think what makes her so interesting is like, she's so stubborn. She's, she's living in a van. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. She's shitting in buckets. Like yeah. she is on the fringes of society and people are trying to help her, but she's like, no, I'm going to do this on my own. Like no matter what. And yeah, I don't know. I kind of went on a rant there, but, um, that's good. She's dealing with loss and she's, she's dealing with it alone. And is that the right way to deal with it? Who knows? For her, for, for her, her, it the answer seems to be yes. Yeah. And by the end, she's she's come to terms with that and is 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 ready to like look forward rather than mm-hmm. running from the past. Right, right. Um, but so, what are some other key themes that um or motifs, as you mentioned to me earlier before baby. we started? I got recording. an English degree, baby. <laughs> I use words like that sometimes. I'm like oh, ten cent words. Never heard that since fucking tenth grade. But um, so what are some other things that we uh, notice in the movie that may or may not have been in the book? Well, I want to I want to do the rocks one. I'll let you go with with your pick next. But okay, rocks I really noticed because like goddamn, there was a lot of rocks. Yeah. Um, she obviously worked at this gypsum plant, which mm-hmm. is rocks. Yeah. Um, sheet rock, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a thing in the culture where when one of the van dwellers dies, people throw rocks into their like when they get burned like they like burn the body and they throw rocks in the fire yeah 
or maybe it's just like the the funeral fire they throw rocks into it mm-hmm. um she at one point like works at a store that sells rocks yep um she meets another younger van dwelling like itinerant worker itinerant mm. worker can never say that word right <laughs> and he she at some point gives him a lighter and he gives her back a lighter that has a like rock yes um glue to it he calls yeah. it a dinosaur bone but it's like definitely a rock right <laughs> there's just a lot of of rocks obviously they also live in arizona and there are these like crazy stalagmite ish formations yes. that exist in the desert yeah. and she's always like around rocks yeah and my thought yesterday or two days ago whatever when we watched it was just that like her proximity to rocks represents maybe like you know rock bottom mm-hmm. in a way yeah um she's she's always next to it or mm-hmm. near it yeah and it's a pressing concern at all at all times so yeah. like there while there may not be like this giant big ass tension you get the sense that like ruin is right there yes like or yeah anything could go drastically wrong at any moment yeah um but no i think when, when you said that during the movie the, the other night i was like yes absolutely like we were like why are there why are they why is she lingering on so many rocks here yeah like, why are there so many rock references um and i think you i think you hit it the nail on the head like i think it's definitely a reference to she is you know close to rock bottom you know it could also mean something like you know this is keeping her grounded it's keeping her humble um or she's like hardened in a certain way like she's got a a strong resolve that yeah absolutely um so yeah i mean if you know watch the film if you haven't already and and you'll definitely notice that um the references to rocks and she's lingering on them and she's also even when she's in the water, she's floating. She's lingering, or the camera at least is is lingering on rocks through the water and stuff like that. Yeah, um, a lot of rocks in the movie, unlike in real life when there's no rocks anywhere. There's no rocks anywhere. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so one of the motifs that I wanted to mention was suicide, um, and its prevalence in actually both the the book and the movie, but more so in the movie, where you know Linda has in in both the, her real story and the movie. She mentions uh, uh, an incidence or incidents where she thinks about killing herself because her luck has run out. She's in this horrible situation and she's basically pulled out of it by her dogs who, you know, realizes like, I can't kill myself. They, they would die. Like, and then that would be horrible. Yeah. She pulls herself out of it. And then Swanky, um, I don't think in the book, but definitely in the movie, um, she reads a book by i'm forgetting the doctor's name it's called the book is called final exit yeah jack kevorkian kevorkian yes yeah. it's probably a famous suicide book or whatever and dr. she's death dr death yeah and she's referencing that book because she has been diagnosed with cancer carcinoma whatever yeah basically she has eight months or whatever to live yeah and she's like you know what i'm you know i'm gonna pack up my things and go back to alaska because i had such a great time and there's some great memories and you know if I need be, I just take my own life. You know, that's it. So she's like sort of accepted her fate and realizes she wants to take action and and um, visit the you know the place that means the most to her, and then you know uh, maybe take her own life or not. Um, and I believe there's another reference that's escaping me, but I wanted to talk about the swanky part, and I wanted to ask you if you thought she killed herself or not. Like, what is your interpretation of of what we saw? Because basically, we she she sends her in a video of her in Alaska, and we see these bat 
bat caves. Maybe? I think they're. I think they're. Uh, I forgot the name. It's a bird, but it's it's not bad. It's like a, it's a specific. Bird. It's like a spawn or something. Some of the nest, and they look like these weird like nests that are like on uh, a cave. It's like a sort of like a. It's like a hole. It's like a, a bug's eye nest, right? Or there's yeah. like a million million little nests on the side of a cliff Weird. Face and they're flying a... out of it because she's in a she's in a kayak she's over on this river and she sees them flying out and, and stuff like that and so there's there's some other uh, things that happen as well but um and then the video ends and you, we never see swanky again um you know i wanted to ask you like what you thought do you think she committed suicide do you think she just passed on i don't know i never really thought about it um it's i feel like you certainly could read it as a suicide like that sort of her final note which is mm-hmm. just that like i am at peace yeah. i've seen i've like i came back to see what i needed to see and that was enough for me right. um i don't necessarily know I, I do think suicide is an interesting thing because it's it's sort of not the way that society tells you to die for sure also so it's this yeah. like inversion of what you're supposed to do at the end of your life right which is go like in horrible agony <laughs> as your body like just accept it yeah like crumbles yeah yeah and you know these people on the tertiary of society or and who are uh, like close to rock bottom don't necessarily care as much what society has to say about the norms of what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to act and stuff so i think they're certainly more receptive to the idea of suicide um because maybe they're closer to death than say maybe a lot of society um you know she mentions when when uh swanky mentions the fern when she has to get her tire replaced that you know you can die at any moment like you need to be prepared for like your your tire to blow out you need a spare like you need this this and that that's right like you need to be able to like figure it out for yourself like i'm not going to be there to help you essentially um so they are certainly closer to death in that respect or there may be there because they brush with danger more often that they're maybe more like accepted or like it's death is more like an accepted thing like oh it can happen at any moment um more at peace yeah the idea of of it happening or whatever but um so you think swanky do you think definitely 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 commit suicide yeah i mean the fact that she mentioned it, it that was like her last thing that she said and she was very open about it and that she's she did what she needed to do when she sent that video was sort of like like goodbye at least that's how i read it or yeah. saw or viewed it or whatever uh but i yeah so suicide i thought was a interesting little motif there yeah so last thing to bring up yes um this idea like we were as we were watching this i i mean i like i like sitting next to you while we were watching these movies because yeah. we can talk a little bit right yeah. you know it's not movie theater obviously i love movie theaters and i wish they were back but being able to like bring up a certain idea i think is helpful um and one of the things that we saw was just like the amount of times the movie cut between like a animal and then that animal being cooked or another animal being cooked yes happened like four or five enough times that it was like why do they keep doing it was weird um i'm trying to remember the specific instances but there was the chickens right there was a steak. There was a steak. And then there was, was there the one with the bison? No, that one didn't happen because she was, um, then she was floating in the water. But there was another time where David was grilling something. I think it was chicken. And it had just come from like an animal. And 
it was just like odd because we both saw it i think at like basically the same time and like why 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 did they edit it this way yeah was it to- a total mistake it couldn't have been so i was thinking about it and i my initial thought and still my thought my current thought is that this is sort of what society does to wild things wild animals especially mm. is that they become like food mm. they become fuel for for the society for society interesting so a lot of like these wild people at some point you're going to get chopped up and fried and grilled like it's going to happen to you you society's going to eat you up yeah you can't exist as a as a wild critter right. in this society because what happens to wild critters is they get they get eaten yeah they get caught they get eaten yeah yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, certainly, like, they are much lower on the totem pole, right? Like, they are much closer to death, like we mentioned. They're much closer to danger. Um, I, They're not necessarily going to eat them, like Army Hammer, but... Oh, my God. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. But, you know, I think you're right. I think it's sort of like society's going to chew you up and spit you out at some point. Yeah. Interesting. Like, yeah. It's got to be a thing because it, it happens enough that we notice it. Yeah. yeah. So Chloe Zhao, come on the pod and clarify that for us. Um, so what did we think of the adaptation? Do you think it was successful? I think it was. I think it, um, it added to the story. I also think it left some, some elements on the chopping block. Like there, there could have been more about like some of the, like, uh, like big ticket, not big ticket stuff. I, there could have been more like contextualizing what the recession did to people mm. and, and that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, I don't think that's the story that they were trying to tell. So like that was easily cut. You know, what's funny is I, I um, watched an interview either today or yesterday with Chloe Zhao and the, it was from TIFF. So Toronto National Film Festival guy was asked her about this. He's like, you know, it, it was really interesting that you, you know, had this backdrop of the financial crisis in 2008, and that was sort of like subtly referred to, but it certainly was very indirect and not direct. And she, and he was like, how intentional was that? And like, how much did you want that to play a role in the story? And Chloe Zhao said a lot, um, which I thought was surprising because it was very subtle. It was not directly mentioned really at all. Yeah. It was sort of like, uh, it's just a backdrop. It wasn't really yeah i almost if you didn't know you almost might not get it you might not yeah. understand why u.s gypsum closed right because of like the lack of building yeah due to the great recession yeah and that's the inciting incident so is there like some level of knowledge that she maybe thought Came her yeah. yeah or maybe just like setting it in 2011 <laughs> kind of showed you yeah what the time period was maybe but yeah it is it is it's it's weird to be a recession movie that is like very not upfront about being a recession yeah. movie. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting that she mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I do think my my final like opinion of this is that I think this exists as two different properties. I think as a movie, it makes a lot of sense if it's told in a very small way because the world is so big. I don't think she could go through a big change in a big space without a lot of time passing. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to tell a story, it sort of has to be small and it sort of has to be like her reckoning with this big event in her life that happened a couple months before. Mm. Right. As soon as she can move on from her husband's death, then she can, you know, 
but she can keep moving on, right? Right, right, right. Once she reconciles that, she can continue to move forward. Yeah. <laughs> but like this world is so big. There are so many people in it. So much time passes. And what does time do to you when you're living in a van? That I almost think that this could be a TV show. Yes. It would be it would be very different than the movie. I think the movie as a movie is really good. Yeah. I think a TV show would be a lot bigger. And I think you could fill it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the TV show could would be great because you get to see all these different characters, right? And you could even, I mean, it could be a drama, it could be a comedy. I mean, you could do a lot of different things with, like, this world in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like a dramedy. I like that, yeah. Yeah. A dramedy. We don't make fun of these people having... I do. Bowel problems. <laughs> um, yeah. Do, no, you, I, do you agree with the adaptation? Yes. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think the adaptation was significantly better than the source material because it was so so different um i think if they had if it was a literal adaptation it would have been a horrible movie like just like horrible it would have been better as like a comedy or something like um if they had done it that way so i think it was definitely a successful adaptation i think you're right it does sort of live as two separate uh ip um that it really is a lot different than the than the book it's just the world is the same and some of the characters are the same. Yeah. But the story is, you know, by far totally different. So yeah. Hot takes. Hot takes. Sponsored by Wendy's four piece or four piece. Yeah. Wendy's four piece spicy chicken, chicken nuggets. nuggets. Come on, I'm laying you <laughs> up. You gotta knock it out of the park. I forgot how many pieces were in the nuggets. God almighty. I, was like, I might get some. Is there later. like eight pieces of nuggets? I think it's four. Four is it's like as a nice... many as you want. <laughs> You just order as many as you want, baby. Uh, four is like a nice little snack size. That's true. Although the calories probably like more of a meal. It's but probably, yeah. You're not going to eat just four. Like, yeah. let's be honest. It's a, it's a little nugget appetizer. All right. Let me give you my hot take. <laughs> Frances McDormand's Oscar sizzle, sizzle reel should be the scene she shits in a bucket. I hate that. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, that's a running motif in this movie, or in, this, in our episode, right? Listen actors have the ability like really good actors have the ability to cry on command <laughs> do you doubt that francis mcdormand did not shit on command you are the one of the two of us who can speak better to what francis mcdormand is capable <laughs> of in this department and i'm i'm just gonna you move throw on. <laughs> into the bus like that unbelievable i'll throw you under the van what's your hot take uh my hot take's not quite as spicy as that but well you know spicy chicken and nuggets will actually do that too <laughs> Um, anyway my hot take hulu might be the second best streaming service i thought the ux was 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 good oh i like the little ux drop i'm i am uh constantly amazed at how hard it is to use some of these new streaming services disney plus is terrible um like you can watch an episode of a show and if you don't watch all the way through the credits you didn't finish it and they're like Oh, did you want to watch the last 40 seconds of episode five of <laughs> WandaVision? No, I already fucking watched WandaVision. I can't help it that WandaVision has 15 minutes of credits at the end of yeah. every episode. Yeah. I finished the damn episode. Whatever. Hulu's, <laughs> I think UX is, is not as good as Netflix. I would say Netflix is the, is the king. Yeah. But it's better than everything else. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think we had this conversation drunkenly like a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, but I totally agree that I mean, Hulu is is a really a great service. Um, I will say, even like last night after I watched it again, it just started playing some random movie that wasn't even in my queue. It was just like a, maybe a related movie. So that is one thing that I kind of find annoying. But um, no, I mean, I think it's 
and it's cheap. It's like five four ninety nine, right? It's like yeah, it's like spice is you could buy Hulu <laughs> for the same price as a you know spicy chicken McNuggets. What would you rather have one month of four Hulu? piece spicy chicken McNuggets every month or one month of Hulu? Do I have to decide? You mean you can have both? Can I have probably. both? Yeah, I'll yeah, I think both. you have both. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah, it's Netflix is probably king, but Hulu is definitely. It, it it doesn't get the credit it deserves. I think. Yeah, I think some of their content offerings are getting better too. So mm-hmm. that's a uh, important when you're talking about a service. But for the for the price point, yeah, it's great. It's great, great value, great UX value. Yeah. Um. All right, Eric. Movie or book? Uh, movie, and it's it's really not close. This movie is is excellent, and the book is okay to worse than that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, movie, and we agree, I believe. We absolutely agree because you're you're very. I'm not even gonna say you're why. very bothered. You know over why? That. <laughs> Final thoughts. Um, what are you gonna remember from the book? So this is random, but there is a part where she talks about how there was like a military elephant squadron in the desert. I think it was elephants, right? It was or camels. giraffes. It was camels. Camels. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I see. I don't even remember it now. So this is not a. <laughs> this is the thing I said I was gonna remember up. from the book, and I totally didn't. So what's what's the something that you're not gonna remember from the book is that they had elephants. Yeah. So I vaguely remember at some point in my past hearing about this like camel squad that the military had. I think it was post or, or civil war, or it was right before the civil war because something the civil like war. Yeah. In the Civil War, they realized like camels weren't good for military purposes. Yeah, I think they were like too slow and like. Yeah, yeah like so maybe we just use horses. Yeah. Um, but I remember reading that somewhere, and then I read it here, and I had the sort of like Leonardo DiCaprio meme moment where he's like, "Hey," and oh. I was like, "Oh, I remember this thing," <laughs> and then I forgot about it, and now uh, I hate myself. That's a great meme, by the way. It's a great meme. Great meme. All right, what's your answer? Uh, what am I gonna remember from the book? Absolutely nothing because I forgot about it the the moment I finished. Well, it. you remember that it was camels, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we're both we're, we're both fucked up on this one. Uh, what about the movie? Um, the cinematography was awesome. We didn't really talk about that, but the shots are amazing. Yeah. Um, our friend Charlie was probably gonna watch this movie and just like dream about moving the camera across like the beautiful western sky. Like I can't wait for him to be like. Oh, you guys see No Man Land? Like, did you notice the cinematography? He probably won't even. He probably won't even mention it. But like, he'd be thinking about it. He'll think about it all the time. Yeah, this is a Charlie joint. Yeah, we mentioned Charlie a lot actually while we were watching. Probably too much for comfort. Probably. <laughs> I was uncomfortable. Um, what will you remember from the movie? Um, Fern leaves the dog. Yeah, she leaves, dude. When I was watching with my mom last night, she got visibly upset when the scene occurred she's like she, he, she has to come back to get the dog right because it lingers yeah on the dog you're like oh she's coming back she's coming back and she doesn't come back that was i mean but i i do think it's a it's a great scene because it says a lot about her character it says a lot about her situation um it's just, it's a powerful scene and that's why i all remember it but it, i think it says a lot about her because she literally doesn't have room for the dog to live in her small ass van and she doesn't have the money to, you know, feed it. Like yeah. she's got to look out for herself. Like it's a doggy dog world out there. So like you or me. And instead of eating the dog, she just left it there, which was nice of her. <laughs> that was nice of her. She could have eaten the dog. Um, yeah. I, it's like something that she, she can't just keep moving if she has something that ties her down. Exactly. Like a dog. So, yeah. so sorry dog, but sorry, the dog. dog probably found a good home. 
Yeah, I think the the lady must have found something for hopefully. Yeah. We don't know. Probably though. unconfirmed. <laughs> Um, and we're going to sign off. So thank you for listening. Um, if you've listened this far, um, check out our most recent episode on Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That is um, anywhere you can find podcasts. That's so right. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Amazon Podcasts. They don't have a podcast. No, they though. don't. They should. They, they you don't know, know, I was thinking the other day that they, Amazon should have a trash service where instead oh. of like all these local trash companies, it should just be Amazon Trash. They would make so much make a lot of money then you could recycle your like amazon boxes to them straight straight up yeah that'd be nice you so. should call jeff bezos oh no he's not the ceo anymore. yeah yeah i forgot once we figure out knows. who the ceo is i'll call yeah. him yeah all right we'll, we'll get him he'll on answer call. he'll definitely answer my phone <laughs> and then um keep an eye out for our next episode on one night in miami uh which is currently streaming on amazon prime and i think the play is available probably on amazon i haven't even looked yet but it's probably it might be on kindle probably yeah, I think you can find it's it. It's probably at the bookstore, maybe not. This is actually probably isn't at the bookstore. This is like not a very well known play, I believe. But if it is, support your bookstore. Yeah. And any shout outs? I want to shout out my friend Veronica. Okay. Great shout listener to the podcast. But she got LASIK and uh, now she sees 2015. So. Oh, sh- wait, are you serious? So she can see through things, right? That's what that means. <laughs> she can see through walls. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Veronica, and we support. We appreciate your support. Yeah. So, I don't have any shot. So. Well, that's fine. Yeah, next time. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right.